from the corner of 16th and Peachtree Street, right next to the High Museum of Art in Midtown Atlanta. Welcome to the First Presbyterian Church. My name is Tony Sundermeyer, the senior pastor. I invite you to join in the worship of God. Our first scripture lesson this morning comes to us from Psalm 138. If you'd like to follow along, it can be found on page 545 in the Old Testament. I invite you to listen now for God's word to us this day. I give you thanks, O Lord, with my whole heart. Before the gods, I sing your praise. I bow down toward your holy temple and give thanks to your name for your steadfast love and your faithfulness. For you have exalted your name and your word above everything. On the day I called, you answered me. You increased my strength of soul. All the kings of the earth shall praise you, O Lord, for they have heard the words of your mouth. They shall sing of the ways of the Lord, for great is thy glory of the Lord. For though the Lord is high, he regards the lowly, but the haughty he perceives from far away. Though I walk in the midst of trouble, you preserve me against the wrath of my enemies. You stretch out your hand, and your right hand delivers me. The Lord will fulfill his purpose for me. Your steadfast love, O Lord, endures forever. Do not forsake the work of your hands. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Since the start of the new year, we've been leaning into the lectionary, the cycle of texts that is given to us on a three-year period, three-year basis. The text that Jay read uh, and the text I'm about to read are both texts for today. Reading from 1 Corinthians, uh, the 15th chapter, verses 1 through 11, page 165 in the New Testament, if you'd like to follow along. Continue to listen to God's word to you and to me. Now I would remind you, brothers and sisters, of the good news that I proclaim to you, which you in turn received, in which also you stand, through which also you are being saved. If you hold firmly to the message that I proclaim to you, unless you've come to believe in vain. For I handed on to you as of first importance what I in turn had received, that Christ died for our sins in accordance with the scriptures, and that he was buried and that he was raised on the third day in accordance with the scriptures, and that he appeared to Cephas, then to the twelve. Then he appeared to more than 500 brothers and sisters at one time, most of whom are still alive, though some have died. Then he appeared to James, then to all the apostles. Last of all, as to one untimely born, he appeared also to me. For I am the least of the apostles, unfit to be called an apostle, because I per persecuted the church of God. But by the grace of God, I am what I am. And God's grace toward me has not been in vain. On the contrary, I worked harder than any of them, though it was not I, but the grace of God that is with me. Whether then it was I or they, so we proclaim, and so you have come to believe. Friends, this is the word of the Lord. 
Thanks be to God. Would you join me in prayer? Lord, break open your word afresh to us this day so that we would be different people than those who came into this sacred space this morning, even to be more like your son, Jesus the Christ. It's in his name that we pray. Amen. I am oftentimes in awe and inspired by demonstrations of human strength. I'm not speaking now of feats of, of physical strength, although those accomplishments are quite compelling as well. What I'm talking about is a different kind of strength. I'm talking about a moral strength or a strength in the face of adversity. You know, the kind of strength that just puts one foot in front of the other, even on the most treacherous of roads. I've often, I'm often riveted uh, by human resolve. I'm captivated by, by humans' capacity to have fortitude in both the ordinary and extraordinary circumstances of life. And as I was thinking about this sermon and this theme of strength, I was running through my mind people and experiences I've had of late where, where this strength is epitomized, where this strength is seen in full view. I think of Ashley Oliver, who I met at the annual Midtown Assistance Center luncheon this past week. Ashley was named the Volunteer of the Year at MAC. Uh, Mac's an organization that our church helped to launch here in Midtown. It's an organization that we still support, whose mission is helping to sustain the working poor through temporary financial crises. Ashley's now a student, uh, earning her political science degree at Georgia State, and she shared her story as she came forward to receive this award. She, she talked about being raised by a single mom, and, and, and with her siblings, every once in a while, her mom would come to them, and, and she would say, hey, grab your things because we're going on a little adventure. And this would happen throughout her upbringing, throughout her growing up years, and one day she finally realized that they were never really going on an adventure but they were being evicted once more from their home. So Ashley grew up living in and out of homelessness, and today she volunteers with Mac to help, kid, help kids and families avoid that same plight that she experienced. And I would like to say to you that that's strength. That's the kind of strength I'm thinking about this morning. I, I think about my surgeon. Uh, Dr. Robert Uzo at Fox Chase Cancer Center in Philadelphia. This month actually marks the 10th anniversary of a surgery that Dr. Uzo successfully performed on me in, in removing a 10-centimeter cancerous mass from my right kidney. I think of how he walks with individuals and he walks with families just like mine through times of great success, through times of great surgical triumph, through great joy, but also through the hardest of times when he has to deliver difficult news, like saying there's nothing more than we, that we can do. And I think about how he gives his presence and his skill to every family equally, to every patient equally, 
No matter what the next day will bring, he brings his whole self to that work, and that's strength. I think of our friends living under bridges and in tents here in Atlanta. I think of all they're faced with every day as some battle addiction, as some just simply battle a string of bad luck. How some have known the weight of systemic poverty their entire lives. I think about the ways in which each and every day they battle stigmas and judgments from fellow citizens. And yet I I think about how they press on. I think about how they take one day at a time trying to survive, trying to make a way. And when I think of them, I think of strength. I think of strength. I think of the family whose child has just been diagnosed with a learning difference. I think about what it takes for that child to concentrate, to manage their emotions, to manage their time, to learn to be gracious with themselves, to manage cultural and family and and school expectations, to manage therapy and specialist appointments, all the while just trying to figure out what it means to be a kid. That's strength. I think about those parents whose patience is tested in a regular way who sometimes feel lost, who can actually be their absolute worst in moments where they feel totally out of control with their child because they have this overwhelming sense that they cannot help, that they cannot make a difference, and yet they keep loving and they keep praying and they keep supporting their child with everything they got. That's strength, too. I think of the black church. I was at Ebenezer Baptist Church for the MLK celebration a few weeks ago. And over those four hours, there's a lot of preaching and a lot of praying and a lot of shouting over those four hours. I experienced firsthand what my friend Jonathan Walton described about the black church. Jonathan's a professor and he's the chaplain at Harvard University. And he talks about the black church in these terms. He said, for more than 300 years, the black church in America has provided a safe haven for black Christians in a nation shadowed by the legacy of slavery and a society that remains defined by race and class. He goes on to say that in the pulpit, in the pews, in choir lofts and Sunday schools, the black church continues to offer affirmation and dignity to people still searching for equality and justice, still willing to reach out for a more inclusive, embracing tomorrow. When I think about the black church and I think about its witness, its prophetic witness to the soul of America, I think about strength. I think about Presbyterian mission partners like Elle Marie and Scott Parker who will be with us in two weekends. They're gonna be sharing their experiences of ministry about what God is doing in the Middle East. Their call has brought them to Lebanon, has brought them to Syria, has brought them to Iraq as they are on the front lines of one of the largest humanitarian and refugee crises the world has ever seen. That's strength. And I invite you to come. You see it in your bullet and you'll see it advertised this week. The opportunities to meet them, I'd encourage you to hear their stories of strength firsthand. Finally, I think about folks like Angelica who is with us throughout the morning. These entrepreneurs who God has given a big idea planted deep into their heart to make the world a more just, a more faithful, a better place. 
I think about our Epiphany semifinalists and our own social entrepreneurship project here at First Pres. The finalists will actually be leading in worship two weekends from now on the 24th. All of them, all of these individuals have made sacrifices. Some of them have been on a steady diet of ramen noodles for the better part of a year because they're pouring their resources, they're pouring their lives into this big idea working and praying that this big idea by God's grace would come to life. That's strength. In all these stories and so many more heard and unheard, we might ask this question, where does this type of strength actually come from? Where does this strength originate? Where is it born? Where is it nurtured? What is its origin? The secularist might say, well, the answer is simple. It's, it's evolution this resolve, this fortitude are biologically and chemically driven in us. It's just part of what it means to be human. It's the natural organic resources that we have through the process of evolution that we've developed over time. And for the record, I'm not convinced that such statements are actually false. God's providential design of the human species affords us these organic, chemically induced impulses and motivation that bring to us courage that brings strength to us. But, but I sometimes wonder, is there something more than that? Is there something a bit more mysterious, a bit more unexplained, uh, something a bit more spiritual beyond just brain function, beyond just chemistry, beyond just physio physiology, beyond just evolution? Is there something more to this kind of strength that we're talking about here this morning. And I think the psalmist, in a roundabout sort of way, says, yes, there is something more. There is something more. In particular, pay attention to verse 3 of the 138th Psalm that Jay read for us this morning. On the day I called, the psalmist says, you answered me. You increased my strength of soul. You increased my strength of soul. And before we take a deeper dive into this one particular verse, I want to say something in general about Psalm 138. It's a, it's a psalm of trust. It's a psalm of praise. It's a psalm of, of thanksgiving. I sort of have a normal routine as I'm preparing for sermons. I have some go-to uh, sources. One of those sources uh, and resources is called The Working Preacher. It's an online journal. And what you do is just sort of plug in the text that you're working from, and it gives you all of this wonderful commentary from leading scholars. And sure enough, as I Googled Psalm 138 and went to Working Preacher, our own Joel Lamont had the online entry for this week. And Joel summarizes this psalm in a beautiful way. He says, this psalm provides a faithful witness to a faithful God. He says it shows how God's faithfulness turns the world inside out and upside down. And he says, finally, this psalm acknowledges in a profound way the reality of trouble. Did you hear that? Toward the back third of this psalm. The reality of human hardship, the reality of strife, the reality of trouble that comes to us all, and yet at the same time, the psalmist is absolutely confident that the God who is faithful in the past will be faithful in the present and will be faithful into the future no matter what trouble befalls them. And it's within that larger context that, that verse 3 really comes to life. On the day I called, you answered me. You increased my strength of soul. 
Now, one of the interesting nuances of this particular verse is the Hebrew word that we translate in English to the word increased. It's actually a Hebrew word that's only used in this particular iteration for different times, only four times. And what's so fascinating is that every time it's used, the English translator has a totally different meaning behind the word. It sort of, uh, sort of opens up to us as sort of a sidebar of how complex and mysterious the scriptures are and how uh, we must wrestle with the scriptures and lean on the Spirit of God for interpretation because you can come to a place like this one where you have a word that English translators totally paint it in four different ways, four distinct ways. Like, for example, in Song of Songs, this particular word means to be overwhelmed or to be burdened. In the Proverbs, it appears again, it, it means to, to plead with someone or to argue with someone. And, and in Isaiah 3, it means to storm against or to act out against someone in arrogance. But for our text, it doesn't mean any of those things. It doesn't mean to be overwhelmed. It doesn't mean to argue. And it doesn't mean to act out of arrogance. What it means here is that our strength will be emboldened. That's the word. That there's a boldness to our strength. In other words, we could have put it like this, that, that you emboldened my strength, O oh God. Or to, to put it more in a casual way, you gave my strength chutzpah. You gave my strength nerve. You gave my strength courage. Make no mistake as to who is giving this gift, friends. It's God. And it's an act of God's grace that is giving this emboldened strength. We go to 1 Corinthians 15. We get a detailed explanation from the Apostle Paul as to where this grace actually reaches its pinnacle. It reaches its zenith, this grace, in the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. Paul says it like this, but by the grace of God, I am what I am. By the grace of God, I am what I am. And it's this grace that emboldens the friend of God and the follower of Jesus Christ into a life of discipleship. You see, when I think about Psalm 138, I'm convinced that our strength, this supernatural, spiritual strength that comes outside of brain function and comes outside of evolution and, and comes beyond just our physiology and, and the way that we are created, something spiritual happens at the intersection of God's grace and our trouble. Something mysterious happens at the corner of God's grace and the trouble that each and every one of us face in our day-to-day -day lives. Because when God's grace meets our trouble, in whatever form it takes, we are emboldened to put one foot in front of the other. When God's grace meets our trouble, we can be faithful and small and great things to a God who will always be faithful to us. You see, when God's grace meets trouble, Ashley Oliver finds strength to work to keep kids and families off the street. When God's grace meets trouble, surgeons like Robert Uzo find the strength to live into their vocation, bringing healing and wholeness into a world filled with sickness and death. When God's grace meets trouble, the housing insecure find the strength to walk the road to self-sufficiency. When God's grace meets trouble, the child with a learning difference finds the strength to discover that they are beloved child of God and that they have God-given gifts and the parent finds the strength to keep pouring their life into that child. 
When God's grace meets trouble, the black church finds the strength to keep on keeping on in its prophetic witness to the soul of America. When God's grace meets trouble, mission partners like El Marie and Scott Parker love and welcome the refugee in the name of Jesus Christ. When God's grace meets trouble, people like Angelica and social entrepreneurs in our Epiphany Project, they steward big ideas that God has planted in their hearts so they may be brought to life so the world would be changed. In your life right now, church, today, right now in this very moment, where is God's grace meeting your trouble? Where is God's grace meeting your trouble? For that is the place I'm convinced that you will be emboldened with strength. That's where you will find the deeper resolve, the deeper fortitude, the intersection of God's grace and our trouble. Make no mistake, this is a spiritual, supernatural, God-given gift so that we can keep putting one foot in front of the other into God's good and faithful future. It's a bold strength. It's a bold strength that will empower you to face the day and face tomorrow and face the day after that. It's a strength that God will give you, not just for your own sake, but for the sake of neighborly love and for the sake of the inbreaking of the kingdom of God. It's a strength that is absolutely confident. It's absolutely assured that God is God. And like the psalmist articulates, that God will be God, that God will be faithful yesterday, today, and into the future. See, friends, at the corner of God's grace and your trouble, you find this spiritual, supernatural strength. Receive it, friends. It's a gift like none other, this gift of strength of soul. It's ours as God's grace meets the very trouble of our lives. Thanks be to God for this indescribable gift and all the gifts God pours out into our lives and in the life of this church. Amen.
Many of you know this, that this song that we've just sung, this hymn, Lift Every Voice and Sing, is also known as the Black National Anthem. It is a prophetic song to the witness and faithfulness of a God who is with and for the oppressed and the marginalized and with all who suffer and with all who feel like they've been worn out, that their strength has been depleted and is all but gone. But God is faithful. And at the corner of God's grace and our trouble, God emboldens our strength so that we may face the day with confidence that God is God and that we may put one foot in front of the other no matter what road we walk, knowing that God will always be God and that God will always be faithful. And may the peace of God, which goes beyond all understanding, guard your hearts and your minds in Christ. May his peace be your strength this day and every day ahead.